Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. You can be seated. Thank you for the kind words. Um, I brought some Kleenexes just in case. It seems like there's a lot of crying going on today, and you never know with me. So, um, But I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for my mom today on Mother's Day. I'm thankful for the great example she was to me, the love that she showed me. She's a godly example. She's still helping with my kids. And I'm so thankful for her. And of course, I'm thankful for my kids who call me mom. That's a great honor. Um, I love them. Zachary's home from college, so that's exciting. Of course, we have other kids home from college, too. So all of our kids we're excited for to be home from college. I don't want to leave you out. Um, I'd like to thank my husband for the opportunity to speak to you. I don't take it lightly. I've had this thought on my heart for several months, and I pray that it helps someone today. Um, I really want to thank Annabelle for stepping up and singing for me today, for us today. It was a great song. I love that song. It's so powerful. And I hope that you listen to the words, and I hope that it moved you today. Um, Romans 15:13 tells us, Now the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's a powerful, powerful verse. That ye may abound in hope. That you can have joy and peace. When you have the Holy Ghost, you can have hope, you can have joy, you can have peace, but you can abound in it. That means it can be overflowing in you. And that's so exciting to me. So today I want to talk to us about hang on to hope. Hang on to hope. So yesterday we were sitting around and Garrett said, Mom, are you going to throw down tomorrow? And I was like, well, you know, I'm nothing like Pastor Cox, so if this is your first time, please come back because you'll definitely want to hear him. I'm nothing like him, but Garrett gave me some advice. He said, all you got to do is say, Jesus. (laughs) So there. Now, can all of you please tell my son that I threw down today? That would be so amazing. So... Hang on to hope. What does hope mean? Someone or something on which hopes are centered. Something desired for. So we all have hopes. We hope that we get a game. We hope that we get a car. We hope that we get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We hope we get married. We hope we have kids. We hope our kids do well. We hope we, you know, are healthy. We hope different things. Everybody has different hopes. But those are not the hopes that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about hope in Jesus. Hope that we can have a better life if we follow him. Hope that things will work out for us when we follow him. Hebrews 11.1 tells us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another version puts it this way, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the proving of things not seen. So we hold our hope with hands of faith. We can hold on to hope with faith. Now, what does hopeless mean? Hopeless, having no expectation of good or success, not susceptible to remedy or cure, incapable of redemption or improvement, 
giving no reason to expect good or success, giving no ground for hope. That sounds pretty desperate, right? That sounds pretty bad. We don't want to be hopeless. We don't want to have no hope in our lives. But we don't have to have those. We do not have to be hopeless because we have God. We can hope in God. Psalms 31:24 tells us, "Be of good courage, and he shall he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord." So you can have strength. God will strengthen you when you hope in him. All you have to do is hope in him. Okay? So this is exciting. Now, Rahab The story of Rahab is one of my favorites in the Bible. We know that the Bible gives us um, advice. It gives us guidance. It gives us direction. So when you're going through situations, it's a good thing to open up your Bible and see how it worked with the people that lived in the Bible, right? So Rahab is one of these ladies. So Rahab lived in the city of Jericho. She was a harlot. So she, um, you know, had a lifestyle that most of us would not want to have. And Joshua sent two spies to go check out the land to see if, you know, they could conquer this land. And when they got there, Rahab hid them in her house. She said, come in the house. The king heard that these two spies were there, so he sends men to Rahab's house to find these spies. Rahab hides them on her roof. She hides them under stalks of flax. In my mind, it's like big stalks of wheat. No, they'd have to be pretty big to hide men. So, um, so she hides them up there, and these men come and knock on her door, and they say, are these two men here that, that came into our city? And she said, well, they were here, but they left through the gate. So if you hurry, maybe you can go find them. So they leave. She lets them down out of her window and says, you go this way, because I sent the, the army that way, so you got to go this way. And then she said, can you help me? She said, I know that your God helps you. Because we have seen, we are afraid of him. The people in Jericho are afraid of your God because of what he did for you, how he brought you out of the land of Egypt, how he parted the Red Sea, how he took care of the kings of of the people that were against you. He took care of them. He, you know, he got rid of them. And so we're afraid of them. The Bible says that their hearts melted for fear. They were afraid of the Israelites. And so she said, can you save me? Is there any way you can save me? And these two spies said, if you leave that scarlet cord hanging out your window that you let us down from, when we come back, whoever is in your house will be saved. Joshua 2, 18 and 19. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we shall be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. So that right there tells us that she had to do something. She had to hang that scarlet cord out her window. She had to have whoever she wanted to be safe in her house. And if she did this, they promised that she would be safe when they came back. The word scarlet cord in this verse, in Hebrew, the word is tikva, and it means cord. It also means hope. So Rahab's scarlet cord was a cord of hope. 
She had this cord of hope. She was holding on to it. She had to hang on to this hope. And we have hope that we have to hang on to. And if she wouldn't have followed the directions, if she wouldn't have hung on to that hope, if she wouldn't have hung it out her window and kept it there, she would not have been saved. When the, when the children of Israel came back to conquer the land, she and whoever was in her house was saved. And we know that she was saved because her story doesn't end there. She married one of the spies who had come in, and they had a child, and they named him Boaz, and he is in the lineage of Jesus. And that is exciting for everybody because no matter how we live, no matter how we have lived, no matter what we have done, no matter where we come from, if we come to God and we trust in him and we change our lives, he will help us. He will change us. He will put us in his lineage. When you can, when you can come to this church... And you can, you can come up to the altar and you can repent and you can be saved. That's hope. You have hope. This world does not have a lot of hope to offer us. There's not a lot of things out there that are hopeful. But we have hope and we can hang on to that hope. Many people face seemingly hopeless situations. But like I said, we do not have to lose hope. Even when tough situations come upon us, we do not have to lose hope. We can hang on because Jesus wants to help all of us. So there are some situations where our kids or our loved ones might go down path, paths that we don't approve of, that we don't want them to. Maybe they get addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever is happening. That seems like a hopeless situation to people because there's nothing we can really do for them other than pray. All we can do is pray. And so to the world, that might be hopeless. But for us, we know that God can do all things. And when we pray, he will help. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from, us, from, it, from it. So this gives us hope that if we raise our kids to the best of our ability, that to follow Jesus and to do the things that they should, when they're old, they will return to it. If they walk away, when, they, when they're old, they'll come back to it, right? So don't give up hope. Even if you just came to church today for the first time, and you want, you know, you think, man, this is, this is something different. I, I'm not sure about this, but it sounds like something that might be interesting. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to start doing things. I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start passing this on to my children. That'll work. No matter when you start, if you start in, instilling God's Word into your children, even when they're older, it's going to be what God wants you to do, and it's going to help. So don't give up hope. Hang on to hope that your kids or your loved ones, you know, that they will come back, that they will be saved someday. Um, the prodigal son is a wonderful story. Like I said, we go to the Bible for advice or stories or help. So the prodigal son is a great story to hang our hope on that our loved ones will return. So Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 15. He's teaching a parable, and a parable is just a story. Um, that, that's what it means. And I apologize. I'm usually in Sunday school teaching the, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds. So if I start getting, you know, kind of like talking down, I'm not meaning it. I just sometimes when I get into teaching mode, I, I forget that there aren't kids out there. So a parable is a story. So a father has two sons. The youngest son says, Dad... I want my money now. I don't want to wait until you die. I want my money now so I can go have fun, so I can go spend it. So his father gives him his money. Verse 13, Luke 15, 13 tells us that he wasted his substance with riotous living. So that means that he went to a different place. He went to a different town, big town. Maybe he went like to Minneapolis. I don't know. 
And he wasted all of his money doing things that he shouldn't have done, doing things that his father taught him not to, doing things that he knew that he shouldn't do, riotous living. He was not doing what was right. He, he gets rid of all of his money. He uses all of his money. Then there's a famine that hits. So now there's no food. He has no money. He has no way to eat. He's hungry. He goes and he works for this pig farmer, and he's feeding pigs, and he's giving them the slop. And uh, first, he, he, uh, he starts eating it. So, you know, he realizes now that maybe I'm not in the best place. I mean, I'm eating pig food. This is kind of disgusting. So maybe I shouldn't be doing this. The verse 17 tells us that he came to himself and decided to go home to be a servant. He, it says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He came to himself. He realized, you know what? What I'm doing is not right. And if I go home, I can live a better life as a servant than I am right now. And so what he didn't know was that his father was waiting for him. His father was praying for him. His father was just waiting for the day that he would return. He couldn't wait until his son came home. And when he gets close enough, his father is standing there at the end of his driveway or wherever, and he's watching for him. Maybe he did this every day. Maybe he waited every day for this lost son to come home, for the son that left to come home. He was standing there and waiting for him. Verses 20 through 24 of Luke 15. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. This story is telling us that we can hang on to hope. Because we can hang on to the fact that our kids will come home, our loved ones will come back, whatever, whatever situation you're in, we have this hope. Jesus loves us this much. Another part of this story is to tell you how much Jesus loves you. If you are the lost child, if you are the person that walked away from God, he loves you. He has unconditional love. A lot of us, we don't understand unconditional love because people put conditions on their love. I'll love you if you do this for me. I'll love you if you, you know, say whatever. God's not like that. He loves you because of you. You don't have to do anything to earn his love. He created you. He just loves you. This is unconditional love. And Jesus is always there waiting. He's always the father that is standing at the end of the driveway thinking, I hope my son comes home today. I hope my daughter comes and talks to me today. And you can always have that opportunity. He loves us. The Bible tells us that he demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. I want that kind of love. I want the love of Jesus in my life. Now, some of us here may be dealing with the hopeless situation of sickness. Maybe there's a sickness that, you know, has, is not susceptible to remedy or cure. That was one of the definitions of hopeless. Okay, well, there's a story again in the Bible of a woman who was in the same situation. The Bible doesn't tell us her name or really much about her, other than that she had had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had been to many doctors and no one could help her. In fact, if you look in Mark 5:26, it says, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. 
Truly, this was a hopeless situation. She had been to every doctor. She had been to many physicians. She had tried everything. She had spent all of her money. There was nothing helping her. She was getting worse. She wasn't getting better. She was getting worse. She was desperate. And she thought, okay, maybe I can come to Jesus. And this is a time, a thing that Jesus loves. When we get desperate and we have nowhere else to go, we go to him. And we do that a lot. When we should probably just go to him first, that would be the most helpful thing to do in our situations. But a lot of times we think, ah, we can try. I'll try this, or I'll try that, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. You should go to Jesus first, right? But this woman knew that everything that she had tried did not work. And she had probably heard about Jesus. She had heard the stories about the miracles that he was doing and the healings that he was doing. And she thought, if I can just get to him, if I could just touch him, I bet I could be healed. She had hope. She was hanging on to that hope. How she had that hope, that's amazing. We can have that hope too, though. We can know in our hearts and minds, because we have these Bible stories, because we have the Bible telling us, we can hang on to hope. But she knew that if she just could touch him. So Mark 5, 27 through 29, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. All she had to do was touch his clothes, and she was healed. That should give you hope. You don't even have to do much. You can just come to the altar. All you have to do is say, Jesus. You don't even have to know what to say. He can help you. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. Jesus is here to bless you and help you. If you are facing a sickness that is not curable, that is not, you know, it's not susceptible to remedy or cure, you can come up here. Jesus can heal you. He wants to do it, and we know that he can do it. So the Bible goes on to tell us that Jesus knew that someone had touched him. To me, this has always been so funny. If you just think about the disciples and the crowd and Jesus, and I think Jesus had humor, but anyway, so, you know, there's this huge crowd of people around him because Jesus is well known. He's been performing miracles, raising people from the dead, doing all kinds of things that, you know, he shouldn't be doing according to the Jewish Pharisees. So he's standing there and he says, who touched me? Somebody touched me. And his disciples are like, oh my word, yes, people are touching you. There's like a million people here. Of course there's people touching you. I don't understand why you would even say that. And he says, no, somebody touched me because I felt healing go out from me. He knew that somebody had a need. And when she touched him, she was healed and he could feel that. And so he stopped and he said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the woman said, I touched you. I just knew that if I could get to you, that I could be healed. And Mark 34 says, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Not only was she healed, but she was made whole. She was made completely whole. She never had to deal with that sickness again. She never had to have that problem again. And that's how it can be for each and every one of us here. If we have the faith and the courage to just come forward and say, Jesus, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I don't want to have to have that problem anymore. Please take it away from me. Jesus will do it. We have proof in the Bible that Jesus will do it. So... Isaiah 53, 5 tells us, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We can hang on to hope that we can be healed because we have Bible verses. We have words from God that tells us that we can be healed. 
Maybe today some of us are in here that have dealt with depression, feelings of loneliness, inadequacies, worthlessness. Maybe we're still dealing with it. Maybe we have dealt with it. Maybe we're still dealing with it. Let me tell you something. Jesus never wanted you to have that. He never meant for you to be that way. He wants you to have joy. Remember how much he loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to carry that. Just like you as a parent, you don't want your child to cry. When you see your child crying, you want to comfort them. You want to, you know, help them. How can I help you? How can I fix it? Sometimes you're like, oh my word, stop crying. You're going to be okay. But most of the time you're like, oh honey, it's going to be okay. You know, at least for me, something, you know, I'm always like, honey, you're going to be okay. And then like in five seconds, I'm like, all right, you can stop now. You're really going to be okay. But that's not how Jesus is. He does not like that, right? He loves us and he'll let us cry as much as we want, thankfully. So, but he does want to give us joy. Psalm 1611 says, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So whenever we're in the presence of God, we can have a fullness of joy. And when we have the Holy Ghost, we can always be in the presence of God. When we have the Holy Ghost, we are filled with joy. Psalms 30 verse 5 says, For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Again, you may be in a situation where you're weeping, where you're sad, where there's something going on that you're, you're not happy about or there's a problem in your life. But remember that joy can come in the morning. John 10.10 10 tells us, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you to have life not just a normal life, not just a regular life, but an abundant life, a life of joy, a life of peace. The thief who is the devil, he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to, he, he's okay with you going out and doing things that you shouldn't because he knows eventually it will destroy you. Jesus is not like that. He wants you to come to him and have a true joy and have a true peace. He wants you to have life abundantly. When we come to Jesus, he can take away the feelings of depression inadequacy, and worthlessness. So again, we look to the Bible, and we have someone in the Bible who had probably a lot of these feelings. Her name is Mary Magdalene. There's not a lot said about her, but she is interesting to me. Uh, she was a woman that was bound by seven demons. And the significance of her having seven demons is that seven is the number of completeness, implying that these demons would have afflicted her severely. It would have been very severe. She would have had no hope. So when these demons came upon her, however that looked like, she would have had no hope because it was the number of completeness, okay? So there were seven demons in her. She has no hope. More than likely, she had feelings of depression, worthlessness, inadequacy, all of these things, loneliness, because people probably didn't want to be around her because she was different, right? When these things happened, people didn't want to be around her. And so she had no hope. She had no friends, maybe she, you know, all of these things. But she knew that if she could get to Jesus, that anything was possible. And you have that hope today too. No matter what you're going through today, you can hang on to hope that anything is possible with Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So 
Remember, when we get into situations where man is like, nah, we, we can't fix that. The doctors, nah, we can't fix that. Oh, you, you'll never be free from alcohol. You'll never be free from drugs. You know, you can't get away from that lifestyle. You can say nothing is impossible for God. When I come into this church, anything is possible. When I come up and get prayed for, God can take that desire away from me and he can help me. So I believe that when Mary heard about Jesus, a ray of hope entered her life, possibly for the first time in many years, because she knew what was being done. She knew that Jesus was doing these miracles. She knew that he was healing people and raising people from the dead. Again, this was, have been, you know, people would have heard about this because it wasn't common. I mean, if we hear about somebody going around today that's doing all that kind of stuff, you're going to want to be there, right? That stuff's happening here. It might not be a physical, like there might not be dead people that are actually standing up, but there are people who are coming out of lifestyles that they did not want to be in. They are getting new life. They are getting resurrected in their spirit. That stuff is happening here. So Mary has hope. The Bible tells us that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Luke 8, 2. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons devils. So when Jesus first met her, she was probably afflicted, tormented, but Jesus healed her from her insanity and from the maladies of her soul. And she became a loyal follower for him. Okay. Obviously, if Jesus does something like that, you're going to want to follow him. If Jesus heals you, if Jesus restores your life, if Jesus blesses you, whatever it looks like to you, you're going to want to follow him. And Mary Magdalene is thought to be one of the women who helped Jesus ministry. Again, there's not a lot of stuff in the Bible about her, but if you look and if you study it out and stuff like that, then they say that she followed Jesus. So that's, that's a cool thing, that she would get to follow Jesus. She would get to see all of these things that he did firsthand. Maybe your struggles look like depression or loneliness or shame or guilt. Whatever you have, whatever is plaguing you, Jesus can heal it. He can make those feelings leave you completely. Again, he never meant for you to carry on to those. He never meant for you to hold on to that. He never meant for you to live that way. So when you come up to the altar and you ask God to take it away, he will definitely, he can definitely heal you from that. He can definitely take those feelings away, just like he did for Mary Magdalene. Mary had to hang on to hope that Jesus would heal her, and he did. When, when, she, when he cast the seven demons out of her, she never had those again. They never came back to her. God never meant for us to carry those feelings. And so he died on the cross for all of us. He died on the cross so that we would not have to live in sin. We would not have to live with loneliness, guilt, shame, depression, any of those things. He died on the cross so that we would, would not have to live that way. So if you can imagine the people that were closest to Jesus, watching him, going through his life with him, going through, you know, the three years of his ministry with him, being close to him, watching him do the miracles, watching him raise the people from the dead, heal the blinded eyes, spit on, on mud or spit on dirt and make it mud and rub it into somebody's eyes. And then they're like, whoa, I can see, you know, put his fingers in their ears and pull them out. And they're like, wow, I can hear for the first time. This is so amazing. I mean, that stuff would have been cool to see. And then these people that are closest to him see him be crucified. It would have been tragic. They would have been hopeless. They would have been like, oh no, he's gone. We're never going to see him again. They would have had no hope. Then you see him buried in a tomb. And then when you go to the tomb the next three days later, he's not there. You're like, oh my word, they stole his body. Where is he? They didn't realize what he had told them. We, we get 
um, the luxury of knowing the entire story. So we're kind of looking at them like, why didn't you just believe what he said? But if you would have been in the moment, you might have been different. You never know how you're going to act until you get in the moment. So, you know, but... When they got there, Mary Magdalene was one of the first ones there. She was the first one to witness Jesus being raised from the dead because she got there and he wasn't there. And she was so sad. She ran and she told the other disciples. They all came. They looked. They left. Mary stayed. And she saw someone and she thought he was the gardener. And she said, can you please tell me where you put Jesus? Where did you put his body? And this gardener turns around in John 20, verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. So all he said was Mary. All he said was her name. She thought he was the gardener. She turned around and he turned around and said, Mary. And she said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say master. So she knew who he was when he said her name. She knew who he was. How could she forget that voice who cast the seven devils out of her, the seven demons who made her life whole? She would never forget that voice. And in that moment, all hope had been restored because her savior was alive. He had done so much for her, and he was here with her again. So hang on to hope, because Jesus is never going to let you down. If our music can come. Um, maybe some of you in here have lost all your hope. Maybe things have been done to you that you can't get over. Maybe we have sickness. Maybe kids have gone down the wrong path. Maybe we have feelings of depression, inadequacy, worthlessness. Maybe we have done things we shouldn't do. Don't lose hope. Remember, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could live an abundant life of joy and peace. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the comforter that would be given to them. So there were about 120 people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost that were waiting there for the comforter, which was the Holy Ghost. And they were in there. They were all praying. The Bible tells us they were all in one accord. They were praying. They were in this upper room. And suddenly there was a sound that came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost was poured out. That day, there were 120 people that were filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room, but didn't stop there because it poured out onto the streets. 3,000 souls, extra souls were added that day to the church. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were baptized. Just knowing that the Holy Ghost is the comforter should give us hope. We should be able to hang on to that hope. When you think of a comforter, when I think of a comforter, I think of a big warm blanket that when you're cold, you get under and you snuggle under it, you wrap it around you. Maybe when you're crying and sad, you get under it, right? That's a comforter. When you think about that, Jesus is the comforter. He's like that. Maybe you need to think of Jesus like a big warm blanket, just wrapping his arms of love all around you, just always there to protect you. You can cry to him. You can cry out to him. You can tell him all of your problems. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what we've done or what we're dealing with. God wants us to come to him and he will never let us down. He is not like we are. We let people down. We have let people down in our lives, but God will never let us down. If you don't have the Holy Ghost today, it is for you. Maybe you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. Today would be a great day to do that as well. Acts 2, 38 and 39 tells us, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I'm excited to tell you today that the Holy Ghost is still 
being poured out. You can still receive the Holy Ghost today. It's exciting because the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God is calling. The Lord has not stopped calling, so this promise is still for all of us today. Let's look at Romans 15, 13 again. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. If we could all stand. How exciting that the Holy Ghost is for all of us. It can fill us with all the joy and peace and that we can abound in hope. It can give us all of that. This means that hope can overflow in you. Joy can overflow in you. Peace can overflow in you. The more hope and the more joy and the more peace that we have, our lives are going to be so much better. We're going to be happier. We're going to love people more. We're just going to be so excited to live this life. If we hang on to the hope that the Holy Ghost is for you, you can receive it today. If you have not received the Holy Ghost, when you come up to this altar, just throw your hands up in the air, repent, which all that means is all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. You don't have to list all your sins. Jesus knows what they are. You can just say, please forgive me for all my sins. Then you just talk to him like you're talking to me or your friend. Just say, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. You're so awesome. Thank you for dying for me. And he will come into your heart and he will fill you with his spirit and you will speak words you don't know and he will bless you and help you. And if you have done things wrong or if you have had things done wrong to you, maybe you, ha you couldn't even avoid them. That's not your fault. That, that was never meant to happen to you and, and I'm sorry it did. But Jesus is here to heal you from that. He doesn't want you to hold on to the guilt or the shame from that. He, he wants you to be freed from the guilt and the shame and the loneliness, the inadequacy, the worthlessness, all of that. Sometimes in life, bad things happen, but you can know that God can take those bad things away from you today. He can make you whole again. You just need to tell him that you don't want to hold on to those. Just again, come up to the altar, raise your hands. All you have to do is say, Jesus, please take it away from me. I can't hold it anymore. I can't do this anymore. I need you to help me. And he will help you. Why don't you all come to the altar if you want to? Just come on up. We're going to pray. You can pray. If you need the Holy Ghost, you can pray. If you need to be freed from loneliness or whatever you need to be freed from, God is here today. He wants to free you. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there for you. Just hang on to hope today. Make sure that you hang on to hope. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.